Welcome back to uh, a severe case of indecision and our completely biased opinions along with Ian trying to keep the ear rape to a minimum this podcast and you're listening to Sound Audits with Ian and Tyler. How are we doing today, Tyler? I'm doing beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. And today it's a we lovely a, day. It is. It it's is so easy. nice out. It's a gorgeous day. It's especially so cold for, though. Especially for early in January, you don't usually see this kind of sun because we had some shitty snow the other day. You had Lots snow? Of fun. Yeah. You didn't have snow in Oliversburg? No. Fuck. Really? Was it yesterday or the day before? Either way, I, I didn't have any. Whatever. Whatever. Westminster got a little bit of snow, so... Was it enough to do stuff in? No. God, no. It was just that disgusting kind of, like, top layer of snow that doesn't even cover the entire ground. Oh, we didn't even get that. Rip. That sucks. Today we have a change of scenery. Today we're not uh, recording in Tyler's green room, where he kidnapped me last time. Uh, today I have kidnapped Tyler. Um, the tables have turned. How do you feel? Uh, I feel like I'm in a house that's larger than mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Your house is tiny. Yeah, dude. We're we're recording in my bedroom today, so support the podcast so we can get an office, please. It's funny that... Oh, my God. It's it's funny that you think that your house... Or my house is small because I'd love to see your reaction to a house in Japan when they're the size of this room. I'm not surprised. You walk in and you're like, huh, (laughs) I pee where I sleep. That's cool. (laughs) It's all connected. There's no walls. That's hilarious. Everything is one room. Take a dump in your living room. Japan is so, I want to go to Japan so bad, but it sounds like it's so like completely different in the way of privacy and like just personal space. That, that is true but if that is a problem then you can work around that yeah but not like i've heard the train state train systems like they're always cramped and people are always getting sexually harassed and they can't do anything about it and then there's the bathroom situation that you've told me about here's don't the, look up the bathroom the situation thing. you here's don't want to know for all our japan listeners I, my heart goes out to you keep your penis tucked in nice and tight and safe please don't allow the old man on the train to grope you uh, go ahead. Here's the thing. If you took a visit to Japan, is that while you are there, you are not going to be treated as if you are a resident of Japan. You are going to be viewed as an American, and therefore you are a god to them. <laughs> I've, I know Japan has some American worship, especially in like its music. I know that Japan, like, oh my god, they take so much from American music, even though... you have blue eyes, so just, like, walking around the street, people are gonna stop you and take pictures of you because you have blue eyes, and they don't have blue eyes. Yeah, I've never, I've actually never seen a Japanese person with natural blue eyes. Dude, that's because that's not a thing. They don't have blonde hair either. It's all... It's It's all all dark hair, hair, brown eyes, but you know that it's, like, an overwhelming number of japanese people have surgery on their eyes same with koreans like oh i know the koreans, it's like yeah. by the time you turn like 15 it's like how people get their ears pieced ears pieced ears people pierced. get their ears pierced in america uh-huh. people get their eyes done in japan and korea like it's 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 a, it's a legit asian culture thing. thing i swear to god i think they literally when I was just there, get the pigmentation like, changed no 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 it's not no, it's not is that. that it's it's the. I don't know. I don't know even what it is. I think it's like you know how like big anime characters have these big open eyes. Yeah. That's not realistic because in Japan they don't have their eyes don't open up as far. And I think that the, it just 
widens race racy racy joke. I'm not. That's that's what it is. Yeah, I know. We tell things for what it is here on Sound Artists, but speaking yeah. of Japan... If you think that we are a filtered program, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> we are absolutely unfiltered, which you can't do in Japan. God, this won't play in Japan. They they, they don't like us there. Probably not. We don't... They can't understand a thing we're saying. Let alone Korea. Korea doesn't have access to half the internet, so... I thought that was North Korea. North Korea, yeah. South Korea is fine, I think. But speaking of Japan... We come at you today with a Japanese artist, Japanese Australian. His name is Joji. If you don't know who Joji is, maybe you'll know who Filthy Frank is. Any of you know who Filthy Frank is? Any of you YouTube junkies like me and Tyler? That's all we did in our childhood days. Started with Tobuscus, ended up a Filthy Frank man. Filthy Frank has, for years, been considered the dark side of YouTube. He's the good dark side, though. He is. He is what the mainstream YouTube wishes you could forget. But they haven't taken down his channel yet, which I am very happy about, even though it's been inactive for the past year and a half. He's been demonetized for two years. Yeah. He hasn't made a dime off of YouTube, which is probably part of why he switched to music, being that he released a kind of like a... It's not even a parody it's album. A, it's like a... It's like the same deal. It's that, a comedy album. It's the pink, yeah, it's pink like, guy album. Yeah, yeah it's pink like life. the same same deal that the uh, he released Lonely Island well. are in. Um, they on YouTube during the ad apocalypse. Thanks, PewDiePie. People were freaking out, and many YouTubers started Patreons and other forms of uh, money intake. Because they couldn't make yeah, money off no, of ads. Yeah, there was no cash flow for on YouTube forever because so many companies pulled off their ads, and Filthy Frank got hit by that as well. I don't even I don't rem- I remember ever seeing an ad on one of his videos ever. Not even when I started li- watching him regularly, like three years ago or something like that. So he's been off of YouTube for a year now, right? His last year, video came year out and a year. half, something yeah. like that. It's, he oh, was it's been the a last while. video. The last video was about his fucking book, which I don't even know if it happened. I think he might have just dropped it and went to music. Yeah. Because soon after the YouTube thing went down, he released an EP under the 88 Rising label. Um, I think it was called In Tongues, if I am correct. And it had singles like Will He and uh, Bitter Fuck. Um, I can't remember some of the other songs. Those are the two big ones. Though. I think Demons was one of them. Pills? Pills? Was that a song off there? It's crazy remember. to see someone switch from the the lifestyle of cranking out a YouTube video every week or multiple YouTube videos. He was never making a music. That's regular... such a that's such a switch. He must have You got, see that more he must have more fallen now. in love with the process while he was making videos. He, and I, like, why am I not doing this instead? Yeah, I've heard you know? him talk about it though and he's been making he's been making music since he was like really? early teenager, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Um but do you know you why? You see more people, more and more people trying to move into the music game over on YouTube. Like all the people, fucking, um, <laughs> fucking Sky does Minecraft went to being a diss track person after he f- stopped his YouTube channel. Captain Sparkles is a dubstep producer. Like everyone's, and then there are people that are legit trying to make the switch, like Joji did, from YouTube to music, and they can't because they don't have the talent. But. Joji, on the other hand, Joji, a.k.a. Filthy Frank, a.k.a. George Miller, Australian, Japanese uh, producer slash R&B producer, sad boy R&B producer. 
Um, he made a very successful switch, I would say. Um, he's had some mainstream success. He's had his album appear on some top charts. He's had some singles appear on some top charts, like legit Spotify, Apple top charts for best-selling and best-downloaded albums and stuff. He was on the top charts for Billboard, I think, the R&B album. I think he had the number one spot for like a week and a half. Um, and that's ridiculous. The Making that switch, that's that takes some balls, man, and he's... He's doing well, it seems like, but this album over here that we're doing was released kind of later last year. It's called Ballads One, um, following some pretty huge singles that he had. Um, I think the first one he released was, yeah, the first one's called Yeah Right. Um, <coughs> and at that point, I don't think he had even hinted at dropping an album yet. Um, it wasn't until he dropped the second one, Slow Dancing in the Dark, I believe, was the second track that he came through with. Um, that, that song we'll get into shortly here. Um, that song sort certainly set the tone, and it certainly brought the hype. Um, and then we got a single called Can't Get Over You. I didn't know what the fuck to think about that when I first heard it, because it was so short, but, uh... Came to, came to warm up to it, and then he dropped, I think the last one he did was Test Drive, and since then he's released the music video for a couple more tracks on here, it looks like. Um, the album itself is 12 songs long, I think it's like something like 35 minutes in length, 34, something around there. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's not by any means a short album, and... A lot of the tracks on here are kind of short, um, don't pass much further than the two minute mark. Some of them reach over four minutes though. Um, so you have, you have, um, a bit of everything in the track listing here, but he is definitely an R&B producer. Um, and th that does not change at all ever on this album. It is very, very clearly R&B with influences coming from places that you wouldn't even think of, like punk rock. Um, and you get some other things. I mean, obviously you get some hip-hop in there because he was a hip-hop beat producer before this. Um, and you have... I actually, I was surprised to see some of the features that I saw on this album, especially from Trippy Red. Uh, Trippy Red blew up in the hip-hop industry a couple years ago as well off of one of his albums. Um, and... He's considered a pretty serious R&B rap kind of... I think he's in the same sad boy vein, as people like to call it, I think. I, I'm not particularly an expert, so fact check me if you please. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that's basically ballads one in a nutshell for you. So, Joji was put on the iTunes uh, upcoming artist chart which is where he gained his break in the same way that Billie Eilish did nobody really knew who she was aside from her single Ocean Eyes and when she was put on that chart which is when you if you have Apple Music or you go on iTunes one of the first visible things is who's popular who's going to break into something yeah. that is going to be big and Joji is one of those artists immediately thrown on that chart and once that happened he actually dropped i believe two albums in 2018 mm. i'm pretty sure he did shit maybe not let's look at it yeah he did in tongues and in tongues was 2017 in tongues 
was at first a okay maybe the deluxe version was 2018 but he the f- released these albums Hold and on. he wrote it out for the yeah. entire year he went from being no one to being one of the headliners at multiple festivals yeah he let's make it clear here though this entire joji year. was never a nobody joji was the starter of the harlem shake trend that you saw in 2012 and 2013 that fucking blew up are you kidding me that was one of the biggest viral trends that's ever happened ever everyone was doing that that was bigger than the floor is lava and all those shitty other memes that you saw during 2018 2017 era harlem shake started it all and yes Joji is definitely controversial. Joji is definitely, we'll, we'll say, um, influential. Uh, and you've seen influence from him on YouTube before he even started doing his music thing. Um, but the Intungs EP was released 2017, and then he released the deluxe version of that, which it's put under the albums in Apple Music, but it's literally just the track missing plus two more songs and then some remixes. So it's basically eight original songs and then eight more songs that are remixed. I don't know if you'd necessarily call that an album. If you want to call it an album, go for it. Um, I have no problem with that, but I'm considering Ballads 1 as like his first full, full-length album. That's it for me. But... Um, yeah, are we ready to get into what we did like about it? Yeah, absolutely. All right, sick. So we'll see you in the next, the next section then. My artist name is Joji. I'm from Japan. I just moved here. Um, yeah, it was really weird actually. We, I had, I was growing up with, uh, I had two friends that, uh, we, we always made music together. Um, and we were making songs before we knew we were making songs. Like we, we would, we'd be silly and we'd make songs about like you know a, a teacher or like if we were like making fun of a kid, we'd make a song about a kid. Which you know never do that, but you know we we were we were doing that kind of stuff. And then one day, I think we were in like sixth grade or something. Someone steps in and is just like, wait, these are actual songs. And we're like, what? Like what? What do you mean? They're like, yeah, like you know. Like, it's, it's not easy to make a song. So from there, we were like, oh, we're making songs. That's cool. And we just kept kind of making songs. And through that, like, just through fucking around, we learned how to produce, how to, you know, just train our voices um, and just kind of learn from the Internet um, what was, what was popping all throughout then. Because that was when the Internet was starting to kick off. And we were learning and doing all kinds of stuff. Sometimes we use like keyboards, midis and stuff. Depends on who I'm working with, but really really we just we're drag and drop, you know. We're obnoxiously just spewing onto the canvas. In this first 6 months I learned in America that the people are more unpredictable. Um, cuz everyone's more individualized here. I come from a place where um, you know, stand in a line you know, you're just, you're part of the, you're part of this bigger thing, you know. So everyone just kind of had these, had these, like, stabilized egos, you know. Everyone didn't think they were more special than anyone else. You know, it was all normal. Not normal, but, you know. And then I came here, and, and there's people constantly trying to one-up each other. 
you know, and people, it's not bad at all. Like I'm saying it's, it's, it's great that there's this much individuality amongst the people, but it was kind of like a little culture shock that one individual can, can, can while out. Well, I get, I get everything creatively from the Joji stuff. The other stuff is just, uh, I mean, I do it, um, but it's more formula based. Um, and it's me not using my own sound and own voice. I mean, I am, but the Joji stuff is definitely, it's, it's the, the sounds that I, I want to hear that take a lot of effort that I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that kind of effort into uh, the other mediums. You know, there's definitely more, it's a connection to, to the music that I want to make and the sounds that I want to hear, which are completely different from the other stuff, which is more formulaic. I'm ready! Are you rolling? Okay. So, <coughs> starting off with what we did like about the album, um, let's just put it out there that Joji is very, very talented when it comes to producing and beat making. A lot of the stuff on here just sounds great. Even though some of it, I, I do think he needs to um, find more of his own sound, but a lot of the stuff on here, man, it's it's pretty fucking good. Um, uh, let's see, where can we start? I guess they even like just the first track. Do you have anything? I guess you don't. Well, I'm really just going to start off by saying I was honestly like pleasantly pleased with how this album was put together being a debut album and maybe i shouldn't be as impressed as i am because like you said he's been doing this for a while so he probably had all of these ideas built up ready to throw in an album and i think that might be hard for his, whatever comes next because it might be hard to top if he's been sitting on all of this for the past 10 years or whatever i don't think i don't think he was though because again this is like he only got signed to his record label in 2017. He'd been releasing R&B, like watery R&B stuff for a while, even before 8-8 Rising. But this is this is where he started that train. He was a hip-hop beat producer before then. You hear, you hear that all across all of his fucking comedy mixtapes and stuff like that that he did for Pink Guy, which is one of his characters. But wouldn't um, you think that he would save up all of his, his best pieces to put on a debut album? Yeah, I that's what I so. that's what I'm afraid of is that this has all been saved up all of these ideas and whatever he releases next so. won't be as good. And I don't know that. I mean, there's no yeah, way. Yeah, I don't. That. I I don't get the vibe of that, but I can see where you're coming from on that. I'm and terrified. I didn't fucking realize though that Thundercat had a hand in this album. And really? holy shit, I I am impressed. Joji, Jesus Christ. He got both Trippy Red and Thundercat. He got, I don't know who, I, I think I know Jam City. Um, but then there's R.L. Grime and Clams Casino. I'm not particularly familiar with either of them. But um, again, he was signed to the 8-8 Rising label fairly recently. So I'm guessing he sort of made the transition when that happened. Um, and you never heard some of the production... Uh, it's fleshed out as you hear it here. Even though some of the production here on this album is not as fleshed out as I would like it to be. But more about that in the next section. Because first track is Attention. Um, and how do I how do I put this? Um, he... 
I get the vibe that he is trying to be in the same vein as artists like Post Malone and Trippy Red. Um, that's definitely the vibe that comes across here. Although he comes across with more of a watery, more of a dejected um, vibe than both of those artists do. Um, because I'm gonna Post go, Malone, Post go Malone goes for. I think Post Malone is more of a banger type guy. Um, and he goes. I, I view him as as a a rock and roll artist who wants to make trap music. That's all I get. All of the songs, the content, what the singing is, like when he writes these songs, they're. I'm talking about Post Malone here, not Joji. When he writes these songs, they're they're fleshed out on an electric guitar and playing these riffs and then he sits in a studio he, he doesn't make any of his own beats he doesn't do any of his own production that's all done for him he sits in with these lyrics that he's come up with and then they put a beat over it yeah and then they add synths so i think that the music he writes does not does not turn into what what would be normal and i think that's probably what sets him apart is that he's not a trap writer making trap sounding music. I'm not saying trap in particular. It's not probably not the best genre to put it in because it's very. It can be very. He's, poppy. A, he's a trap auto crooner. Like he's he's like yeah. he, he's got he's got elements of other stuff in there. He's some R and B and stuff like that. But he's a trap auto crooner. Um, but like Joji Joji trend, certainly is like that. What I view a lot of Joji's music as, however, is a lot of it comes off as depressive. I don't think that that is appealing to a lot of people because a lot of people listen to music to escape from somewhere and a lot of this music brings you somewhere. This You can be high as a kite and when you start listening to this music, it can bring you down very quickly. That's sort of what I get. I get off of this. I sort of even get suicidal vibes off of it. I do... I See, I... I appreciate music for what it tries to be and for what this album tries to be, which is fucking insanely depressed. And if you look at the face of the album, the face of the, um, of ballads one, it's Joji. It looks like it's taken on a really, really old camera that still has like the red eye effect. Any of you kids remember that (laughs) the fucking red eye effect that you used to get before phone cameras. God, but he has this insane look on his face, right? And when I'm talking insane, he has this, he has this smile and he's got the red eye effect going on and his head's tilted to one side. And what it gets me as is I fucking feel no more fucking do whatever you want to me. I feel no more pain like that. That's just, that's what I get. And goddamn, does this album do its job, I think. Um, even though some of it could be more fleshed out. Anyway, moving on to the first track. The fir- uh, Joji like his, likes his piano. Uh, I get the feeling that he plays piano uh, to some extent, maybe. Um, I d- and from what you said about the Post Malone thing, I know a lot of artists today do that. Like, a bunch of the hip-hop artists don't make their own beats. They just rap over them. Um, and they're technically not even the artists that made them. They're just the figurehead. But I don't know about Joji because he was an under... Again, he, he's been making music for a while. I definitely get the feeling that he had a hand or he had some other hands sticking in other places um, helping him with the production and everything like that. But I think a lot of the core ideas that come across in this album were probably his. Um, 
That's what comes across to me. Um, now, Attention, the very first track on the album, definitely sets a tone. Uh, this was not one of the singles off of, or this was not one of the singles released previously before this album, but it, it sets a tone. Um, it starts off again with pianos and his voice could be, I feel like his voice could be, how do I put this? Not more memorable because I, I feel like his voice is pretty good, but he I comes across not even whiny. It's not even mumbly. It's just he slurs sometimes, and sometimes it's hard to make out what he's saying. But put that aside. The beat off of Attention is good. If you were talking about R&B beats, I really like it. Um, That's all, like, that's all there is to it. I mean, it's 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 a pretty good track, uh, all in all, and I'd say it does a, its job at setting the tone of the album. But when we get into the second track, "Slow Dancing in the Dark," this was one of the singles that he dropped before this. Holy mother of God! Oh my God! This was one of the best singles. I, I for those of you who listen to the. Uh, top 10 singles of the year that we did. This was one of my honorable mentions, and it probably, like, I had such a hard time not putting this on the list, but there were some other songs that I did think deserved the top spots. But this song, man, it was so close. That This song is so good. Do you have anything to say? You're being awful quiet. I'm just letting you talk. Okay. Do you have anything to say about this one? I don't know how much you've I mean, I had this. something to say about his voice. Okay. The, there are songs that certainly spotlight his voice, uh-huh. like Slow Dancing in the Dark. Yeah. I think he might have a very limited range. And I think that shows in a lot of his music because whereas if artists would go and they would, they'd show off their vocal range, go high or low, you see that in artists like Tyler Joseph or Sam Smith who can go incredibly high and wispy to very, very low and menacing. I don't think Joji has that. And as a result, he has to change the way that he enunciate things to make each song sound different, not exactly the same. And I think that is both unique to him and it might also be a flaw because in songs like attention you don't know what he's saying you're kind of just appreciating the music but in songs like slow dancing in the dark it's like damn this guy has a really good voice yeah so Can i actually I, say real quick yeah go for it one of, one of the lines off of the first track i really liked um i think he i think he does some good things lyrically um but the line that i really took to because I just I th- I thought that it was a clever way. A lot of these songs, it's ballads. One, these are love songs. These are heartbroken love songs. And the one, the one line that I really liked. Now, would you hate me if I said goodbye so quick you could eat my dusk? Now, would you hate me if I ran like hell in the wind from dawn till dusk? I get the feeling that he's written some poetry in his day because some of it kind of feels a little bit like poetry. And I can appreciate it. Um, I just really like the fucking goodbye so quick you could eat my dust. I don't know why that took me so hard, but I like that line. I think that line's kind of clever. Um, moving on to track number two. Did I cut you off? No, you're fine. Okay. Can I can I jump from two to the last song? Yeah, Can we? but can we talk about two first? I really okay. want to talk about number Go two. Go for it. Because holy damn, this song is so good. 
like just everything about the, this this song exemplifies like when I saw say when I said that it brought the hype for this album it fucking brought the hype man because this song like it sounded like nothing anybody else was putting out even in the auto croon world where it's oversaturated with these albums copying off of one another another one another one one another that's this is not it this is this is the sad dejected it's kind of watery um but it doesn't necessarily have too much of that in it it's it's more atmospheric it's more it, the sound is so full the sound is so grand and it has these gorgeous synths it has these gorgeous pianos the beat smacks um and as far as you said about the vocal range I don't get the feeling off of the chorus on this song when he starts fucking belting on the chorus because he belts out those high notes. And I think they use auto-tune on his voice to some extent a lot here. I know they've done it before, 8-8 Rising. They had a collaborative album, and I think they used it on that. But I don't I don't know how much, to what extent, they used auto-tune on this song. I get the feeling that they might have used some, but god damn, does this song hit an emotional peak? And the fucking dipping synths that it has on the chorus, all the pitch shifting, and the fucking in and out that it has. Oh my god, it just wraps around your head, and it envelops you, and you can feel his dejected pain through the chorus. Just the amount, like, uh, that's something I can appreciate. The, the emotion is palpable, and it you can feel it. And holy damn, this song has been so close to bringing me to tears a few times when I listen to it. Just because it reaches such an emotional peak. And it's so high. Jesus Christ, this song... Oh my god. It slaps. It's not. It doesn't slap in the way that it's a banger. It just slaps you across the face so many fucking times. I'm rolling my chair around. That's gonna show up in the... Audio, but whatever. I th- I appreciate this song to no end. This song is one of the best songs of 2018 for me. I fucking loved it to death. If you take nothing else from listening to us talk about it, add Slow Dancing in the Dark to your playlist because it's going to appeal to anyone and everyone. And if you don't like it, then you're probably wrong. a You're wrong. Taylor you're absolutely Swift. wrong. You're Why? absolutely wrong. Who's it not going to appeal to? I, I can see it not appealing. A baby boomer. <laughs> Shout out to all the baby boomers listening to this podcast. Hi, Dad. I love you. <laughs> anyway. Uh, go ahead. Let's get to the last track. Uh, I, I think that the last track exemplifies... Or not exemplifies. That's a terrible choice of words. I, I think that the last track is... Both its best friend and its worst enemy at the same time. He is looking. I feel like I the feeling I get from the song is that he doesn't know what direction he wants it to go in. He's looking, and I feel like this song was just a an excuse to try out everything. And I might be doing a terrible job of explaining this, but the song is all over the place. And it was one of my favorite tracks for that reason. We listened to it a few minutes ago. It starts off and it's very lo-fi sounding and it has, you know, it it almost sounds, it almost sounds like the distortion that comes out of a record player at the beginning or end of a track before the needle drops or after it drops. It has that, it has that grainy 
the sound, the crackling. I kind of sounds like popcorn it. popping in a microwave. I love it. I I love that the way that people use those filters now through songs. I think it sounds really really cool. It starts off with ukulele and then it changes to this. It's almost it's like a bass line, right? The song just know. switches so many times, and I think it maybe is a little inconclusive. And I don't. Think I think the song has. I don't think the song has a clue what it's gonna do. I uh, I don't think this was one of the songs that the lyrical content was anything special. Anything special, but the song hits a lot of areas I would like to see him touch more on the next project. And this song makes me excited because there were a lot of instruments and a lot of influences on the song that don't appear a lot on the rest of the album and it's like, "Oh, well, I didn't know he was capable of doing that if there was a song that revolves around this aspect." That would be awesome down the road. So yeah. not just listening to now, but thinking about the future, it's very exciting. And yeah. I got a lot from that song. Yeah, let's. I'm gonna skip here to the fifth track because that was um, after "Slow Dancing in the Dark." That's the one that I really like. It's called it's "Can't Get Over Such you. a good track. Holy shit! Yeah. This song. I, this is again one of the lead up tracks to this album, and. I didn't know what the fuck to think about it at first. It's so lo-fi and it's so minimalistic that I was like, wait a minute. This dude who's doing fucking R&B is doing this? Like, I don't even know where to pin this. It's it's lo-fi hip-hop almost, but it's lo-fi. I, 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 what do we even put this at? It's kind of funky. It's kind of bouncy, but it's so minimalistic. And the song itself is only like a minute and 50 seconds long. I think that's to the song's detriment, but that's one of the only things that is wrong with this song because everything on the song is so quaint and it's so bouncy and it gets you in this mood that I can't describe particularly. The 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 baseline on the song is so it's it's upbeat in a way and it 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 just it moves, man. And the vo- like everything on this song there's a bunch of lo-fi um effects added to it um so it, it's not really a full sound again it's just it's what do i even call this track <laughs> you can't tell but god do i love it. it it's only a minute and 50 seconds that is the only thing that is wrong with the track again it's it's so cute the song the song doesn't have a bridge, does it? No. No. I think that the song he could is have, structured weirdly. I think he could have drug it out a little bit with uh some sort of bridge with synths and maybe yeah. expand on it, but at the same time, he didn't mess it up. A lot of no. songs will do this where the song only reaches two minutes. This is one of Coldplay's biggest flaws, is that Coldplay will write a gorgeous piece of music and then it's not long enough to fit on an album or radio or something and they butcher it by dragging it out with an outro or a too long of an intro or the stupid bridge that doesn't belong and i am almost glad that he didn't do it on this because i can certainly see that being an issue yeah um but this is sort of where the punk rock influences come in we get some distorted guitars and stuff um and it sounds pretty good i mean i feel like the vibe that he was going for was pretty good um 
I love again. I have I have tough. some of my issues issues with some of the tracks here. I have my issues with this track, but I think the good outweighs the bad in a lot of ways on this track. Um, I love the filters. I love the, the I love the uh, the distortion. I love the bass line. I think that the the I don't know if they use effect pedals or if they used uh, computer generated effects, but whatever they used, I think it hits really well. I think that you know an effect can only be as good as what you're playing and how you maximize or minimize what the effect is doing but i think that they definitely used it to its full capacity it sounds very good in my opinion again yeah. the lyrics aren't exactly no i think the lyrics on this song really? are fucking dejected as shit because the song starts off with girl you choke me sitting airtight ziplock right now that sets a tone and a half, I think. I, I don't, that opening lyric, I think it it's and you get more of it at, um along the way, uh like lines like and you will never le- you will never weep until you fail to breathe sleep tight you were right all my life. I was thinking of the lyrics of as another song. Oh, okay, my bad. I think this song is dejected as shit. Um, and. Again, if you're not a dejected music kind of guy, then this isn't going to be for you. But if you can tolerate this kind of thing, I, I'd i recommend. I'd recommend, for sure. Um, what's the next song that you wanted to... I don't know if there were any others that I'm going to praise. I liked R.I.P. featuring F- Trippy Red. I thought the Trippy Red feature on that song was pretty good. You can bust on me all you want for liking this song. Yeah, but I don't like songs where the feature is better than the artist. I don't think the feature is better than the artist. I think they even I out. did. I thought it was the strongest part of the song. You think? Yeah. Okay. I did like... I thought the feature was great. Um, let's see. Where are we? Hey, right props, props for Joji for having features on a debut album. Yeah. Like multiple. That's yeah. that's not an easy thing to pull off. Yeah, and again, this song is dejected as well. This is one of the more hip hoppy um, songs that we're going to talk about here because again, it's Trippy Red featuring on here. So, but um, again, the song starts off dejected as deject, dejected as shit with lines like, "If I lost my life, you can blame it on me." Um, and then you get to the trippy red feature, um, saying how, um, uh, do, oh God, you get lines like I would die for you, do or die for you, suicide for you. And that's sort of the rhyme scheme there. Um, I don't know why I like shit like that. It just sounds so fucking distraught. It might be something that you resonate with. Maybe. Um, but the R.I.P. feature again sort of hits an emotional peak with his voice because he starts going higher and belting, belting out the lines, which I can appreciate. And I think the beat on this song is all right. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it. I don't. I think again, it could find more of its own wave and more of its own groove and find more of its own sound. But it's that's the case with a lot of the songs on this album, and we'll get into that in this next section that we're where we're gonna talk about it. Um, other than that, there wasn't really anything else for me here. There are, there are moments on other tracks that I liked, like I think Wanted You 
was also another song where you get some of the punk rock influences, which I can appreciate. But again, there are there there are issues with tracks like that. Um, and we'll talk more about that in the next session. And I think the other single, the first single that was off this album, yeah, right, isn't bad. Um, it's kind of repetitive, and it's it's kind of watery to shit but we'll again get into that in the next section are you ready to shit on this album tyler yeah yeah all right well we're excited we'll see you in the next section biggest problems with this album is the way that I don't know why we've been coming across such shitty mixings but some of the songs of this album are mixed very poorly and you get that off attention the first track I did like some of the stuff off the first track I will give it that but then you get to the fucking bass and the bass is so large I get the vibe that he was going for here okay but it's so large that it starts fuzzing out everything else in the mix his vocals sound fuzzy you can't tell a thing he's saying i don't know why somebody didn't come across and be like yo this bass is mixed hor- horrifically horrific it's horrific um and another thing that i didn't particularly like about this album some of the wateriness comes across all right and it it's not annoying but a lot of it again is a detriment to the mixing and it makes it sound messy and it makes it sound how do i put this um makes it sound messy there you fucking go what do you have to say tyler (laughs) absolutely nothing i don't know where to begin no actually there wasn't really a lot of individual songs i wanted to pick apart and be like hey this sucks hey this sucks i don't like this either i I think that what you said, the the mixing of the bass, I know how much this guy likes his bass, okay? Uh He likes it thick and... He likes it thick with 15 Cs and a couple of Qs in there as well. Um, Thick. (laughs) Thick. I've seen it spelled either way, but go ahead. I think that's 
like you said, to the detriment of the album, but I think that he just has a lot of poor influences to which he makes his own music, and it's it almost just comes across as really poor judgment. I think that when you listen to when or when you're working on an album or a project, you should be pulling from different artists and turning something they've done into something that's your own with your own twist with your own spin and joji likes to take other people's influence other people's work and make it adherently worse and aside from the songs we've already talked about in the last section the remainder of the songs are a lot of the same and a lot of uh, not not the same in in a good sense, but the the remainder of the songs we haven't talked about yet are all very not good. They're quite not good. <laughs> Let's talk about test drive because we were talking about this a second ago. But again, we were talking about how he kind of reminds of, of Post Malone. Um, it, it's different in some ways, but test drive exemplifies this to the nth degree. Uh, test drive sounds like something that could have been off of beer bongs and Bentleys, except a lot worse. Um, it sounds like it was trying to be another hit, like better. Fuck you, God. That's test drive. You got a sample. There you go. Um, but again, it sounds like it was trying to be another kind of smooth, watery banger, like Better Now was, and Better Now was a hit. Better Better Now um, was definitely to, it, it took the charts by storm. Um, and that's what it sounds like it's trying to be. I can't, I can't vibe with that. Um, it, it, it's a cheap shot to me. Uh, it sounds nice. And the, a lot of the production choices I can, I can, I can see where he was going with it, but it just sounds like a ripoff to me. I think another, uh, another issue in this album is the sampling. I think he's really bad at using samples and choosing samples from the get-go. Yeah. When you when he's writing these songs, it's like, all right, maybe I could use this in a in a song. No, it sounds like AJR sat him down at a computer and was like, all right, you see this? You click and you copy and you, drag, <laughs> you put it there, and he's done. I this. think AJR is he, not very good with sampling either. I think compared to this monstrosity. See, AJR's music revolves around sampling. Yeah. This music does not revolve sa- around sampling. It revolves around bass and synths, and it try to mix it in vocal melodies and try to mix in some 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 samples, and it it, it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. And half of these samples do not belong in a way that's so clear. Yeah. I don't understand how the artist didn't realize it putting it in. Yeah. They don't fit. Yeah. I can't. Okay. First off, let's just get the fourth track out of the way. I like the punkiness of "Wanted You," like I said um, in the "What I Did Like," and I think if we hear more punky vibes from him in the future, I think he's very, very good at incorporating that. And I feel like if he stuck more with that kind of trend, we could hear some pr- pretty good crossovers. Um, but the rest of "Wanted You" is just mediocre and forgettable to me. There's nothing about the vocals that I particularly liked. Um, and that's one of the things. He slurs his vocals to no end. And I feel like he could do better with that. And the mixing on his vocals always isn't always uh, top-notch like it is on 
can't get over you or slow dancing in the dark or anything like that. And even on slow, slow dancing in the dark, he slurs his words. Um, but I find that I can get past that better in that song just because that song is so euphoric. But it's to show emotion. It's not yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, let's talk about No Fun because that's where the sampling gets... Um, this was... I don't know who the fuck thought this song uh, was finished. I don't know who the fuck thought this song sounded good. Because it just, even from the get-go, it sounds so sour. He picks so many, I don't know what kind of samples he was using. I get the feeling that this is trying to be, like, a summer track of some sort. Like, did you hear the Midsummer Madness track that he dropped with 8-8 Rising? No. The collaborative album that I they did as an entire record. I haven't listened to his music aside from this album. Okay. And uh, his it sounds like it's trying to be that, but it's a really, really shitty, shittily mixed version of that. It has samples that sound so detuned and detestful that it is unlistenable. And dear God, the mixing. Dear God, the yeah, is my gain up really high? No, you're good. Okay, dear God, the mixing! I It sounds like such a fucking mess. It makes me want to vomit... Tax! I'm... <laughs> Jesus Christ, why are you eating tax? Remember the kid that did that in class one day? Oh my Good God, old Evan. Evan. Yeah. Dude, Evan is a nut. Evan's the bomb. He ate tax, he ate a nail, he ate tinfoil, he ate a penny. He started eating change. That's we, not good for your digestive tract. We went to a co-op with a kid named Evan. Mm-hmm. And Last name will be withheld. Yeah. Evan, he, if you're listening, Evan, we love you. Evan is Lithuanian. So he's about as close to Russian as you can be without being Russian. Yeah. This guy is full-fledged Russian. Bananas. Okay? He's fucking nuts. We're in class, and there's this freaking crunchy noise coming from the corner of the room. We look over, and this this. <laughs> this guy is freaking eating tax, tin change, foil, tin foil, and apparently if you lick toyo fo- tin foil, it gives you Alzheimer's. <laughs> he's just he's just swallowing he's just it, swallowing it. <laughs> Pennies, a marble. Did he eat a marble? Paper clips. I, I much everything that was on the table. Yeah, he ate one of. <laughs> Except markers. I didn't see him eat a marker. I don't think he tried. He probably could have. I remember he'd eat his fucking clementines whole. Oh my God. <laughs> fucking nut. If he wasn't throwing them into the yeah, woods. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Anyway, No Fun is detestful, and I never want to listen to it again. It is offensive to my ears. I want it to go and die. We're done with that. Um, Let me just go back to Evan for a second. Okay, go ahead. If you never had a proper image of what homeschoolers are, it is basically <laughs> sitting in the basement eating metal objects that they can find in order to... My gain looks so much higher than you. Do you see that? Yeah, but it sounds gorgeous. Does it? Okay. As long as there's that. It should be fine. Um, Come Through is just like Test Drive and the fact that it's generic trap trash with an R&B twist. It sounds like he's trying to be Post Malone. Nothing else to say about that. X and XX is kind of better. Um, I'll see you in 40. I know you talked about this earlier. Uh, cause you liked it and all the musical palettes that it had and I can appreciate yeah. the musical palettes, but 
Dear God, they come together in such an uninviting and uneventful and uninspired way that, dear God, um, I think I like no, or I think I like no fun worse than this track. I think, I think no fun takes the fucking cake, but this track is a, is a, is a second for me. Um, I can appreciate what he's trying to do, but when it starts off and he tries to make his voice sound like a distorted woodwind of some sort, it makes me want to vomit more tax. I, like, I I don't know what the fuck he was thinking on this. Like, I can appreciate some of the production choices on this album, but... How people... I, I just, I don't understand. People so often will make these, and it's like, did you not listen back to it? Like... Uh, that's the, that was the entire Imagine Dragons album that we listened to for me. Some of that ends up here, but not as bad. Um, um, I just, I'm dumbfounded. Um, but despite all that, I still think there were some good tracks on this album that I, that I liked a reasonable bit. Do you have anything else that you detest that you would like to voice? Nah, you're good. All right. Well... That's it for me, so I guess we can give our full opinions. We'll see you momentarily. Yikes. What was your overall opinion of this fantastic debut album? Um, I think that despite his flaws, overall it was all right. Um, what have we learned from this? We have learned that why are so many albums so fucking messy in the mix? Um, I think that was one of the one of the biggest problems with this album was that. Um, some of the songs were poorly structured. Some of the songs were poorly mixed. Some of the songs didn't have a strong, cohesive tune. Um, but I think some of that is partially due to the fact that, um, aside from a couple serious tracks here and there, um, Joji or Filthy Frank has stuck mainly to comedy. And his entire YouTube career is a uh, good example of that. I mean, even, even in his songwriting before... Uh, this album, he mainly, shit, mainly stuck to his comedic side and poking fun at absolutely everyone, making songs like fucking gay for, gays for Donald and fucking hot nickel ball and a pussy and, um, whatever that song was. Well, well, 
No, welcome to the rice fields was just his saying. <laughs> I can't say that, can I? <laughs> um, but despite him being a comedic um, artist mainly, I think this is part of his transition over into actual music, a transition onto this new label, and I think once he finds more of his footing, I think um, I think he'll have a much stronger base. And I think that he could come up with some pretty damn good R&B sad boy material. I, I didn't... Overall, this album didn't blow me away. But I am hopeful for the next release. Because I'm... Some of the stuff on here was really fucking good. Um, <clears throat> slow dancing in the dark. And I'm just... I'm excited for what he's going to drop next. How about you, Tyler? Um, I... I, w- I liked more on this album than I disliked things. I'd say, I'd say it's a 50-50 for me. I Maybe like a 60-40 for me or a 65-35. Does that add up? That might add up to 100. I don't know. But I, I think that one of the biggest problems is when an artist makes music, it, generally their personality translates into their music and I don't know if his personality translates well into music really yeah like when you i think he i think he translated his goofy and edgy personality really really well in his like comedic stuff but that's the biggest downfall of his music Uh uh-huh so i think he kind of needs to i think he needs to find more of his footing i think he needs to shift his focus into what works well Uh uh-huh i think that's his biggest flaw I think Slow Dancing in the Dark is still one of the best tracks. It's an incredible song, but it doesn't... I wouldn't say that that translates his personality so much as it translates his thoughts. That's the difference. Fair enough. Fair enough, I can see what you're saying. So when you see this goofy guy on Instagram posting these blurry pictures of him making goofy faces... Half naked. Half naked. That's what a lot of these songs sound like. Yeah, when kinda. you see a serious picture of him, you know, at a show or whatever, that translates to what I picture slow dancing in the dark. And I think that's where his his strongest footing is. So mm-hmm. I think he needs to strike I need think I think he needs to strike a balance. And I think right now the balance is tilted more towards dorky, goofy. Yeah, he's still making that transition and that's that's sort Unprofessional of Unprofessional That sort of music. shows through on this album, but Which makes that, me extremely hopeful yeah. for the next album. Yeah. Just, I think he I think he could blow it out of the water. Yeah. The only thing which I stated earlier is that if these were his ideas he's been saving up and he used them, then it might be a little more raw sounding on the next album. But this is pretty could, fucking raw. That could also be an advantage. So yeah. we'll I just want, have to see what comes. I'm I, excited. I want to see more of the fucking punk influences and the grungy grungy guitars and stuff like that. I want to see more crossovers like that because I feel like he could do well with that. I feel like those all weren't necessarily all his doing. I feel like some of the producers on this album might have had a hand in that. But I want to see more of it. I feel like, the, I feel like he had some good uh, genre crossovers on this album, but... Um, what did you think overall? What did you give this album? I would give it a six to a seven, probably like like a six point four, six point five. I'd give it like a lighter six. 
Yeah, so we're pretty much at the same area. Yeah, I wouldn't give it a seven. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. I said near two, a seven. six to a seven. Somewhere you in fucker. <laughs> Somewhere in between. Can you tighten that? No, it's tighten as tight it, as it goes. No, it's it. not. Shut up. Thank I, you for listening. <sighs> okay. Um. Like this fucking dork said, thank you for listening to this podcast. We appreciate all of you coming out and listening to us. Um, please go support our Instagram and give us more likes so that we can feel better about ourselves because that is all that we live off of. We don't live off food. Um, we live off your likes on Instagram. At least I do. And AdSense. And AdSense. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler still has me trapped in his green room. Please help me. Oh, wait. Never mind. Whatever. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we will have another podcast out same time next week, uh, Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please come out and support that as well. Um, feel free to give us some feedback on Instagram, feedback on anywhere you can fucking find us. Um, you see us in the streets, please don't scream at us for having shitty opinions. Um, just keep walking and pretend we don't exist. Um, love you a long time. We hope to see you the next time. Have a great day.